Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, none other than Cody Kelly. Look, connect with me. I want to hear from you. I want to cover content. I want to get your thoughts, your insights, your features. I would love to feature you on the podcast. Uh, But we have a great episode for you tonight, really just covering just a news recap of just kind of what's going on in the world, particularly within the United States, focusing on uh, political issues, uh, looking at the business uh, effects or the economy post or not post, but during this COVID-19 stretch, uh, looking at policy reform that could be coming down the pipeline and just checking it geographically uh, for things that are happening. But I look forward to getting into it and really covering this great content on another episode of It Is What It Is. Awesome. And we are back. Look, police reform is starting to happen. Uh, A bill has been proposed um, through, obviously, the House of Representatives, uh, Rebecca Shabbat and Dartanero Clark going to write that the House has passed a sweeping police reform bill, largely along party lines to address systemic racism and police brutality in the wake of the death of George Floyd. Exactly one month ago, George Floyd spoke his final words, I can't breathe, and changed the course of history. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat from California, said on the steps outside the Capitol, uh, flanked by House Democrats, including members of the Congressional Black Caucus, chaired by Representative Karen Bass of California, Americans have since been demanding that moment of national agony become one of national action, Pelosi said, hours before the House passed it by a vote of 236 uh, to 181. Applause broke out in the chamber after the bill's passage. Three Republicans, Representatives Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, Will Hurd of Texas, and Fred Umpton of Michigan broke ranks and joined the Dems in supporting the bill. Look, we need police reform. doesn't matter what side of the fence, what side of the political ideology you fall along. To ignore abuse is to participate in it. This is a step in the right direction. Obviously, it still has to pass the Senate and it still has to be signed into law. But this is a start, right? It's just a system of checks and balances. Sometimes when we talk about police reform uh, you hear arguments, especially from the hard right, that you know we're micromanaging. But hey, look, I don't know a job where nobody uh, does not get micromanaged, and, and and micromanaging can be annoying, it can be teeterous. Uh, but the reality is, it's a provided system of checks and balances to make sure that integrity is upheld at all time. If we could personally just rely on the Uh, better angels of humanity, then things like this wouldn't be needed. But obviously, that's not the issue and has never been the issue. So we need a system of checks and balances. And this is what uh, the system looks like. It's not talking about removing the police. It's just administrating certain controls to make sure this tyranny never happens again. Uh, Representative Ilhan Omar, Democrat from Minnesota, presided over the afternoon debate Uh, Omar represents Minnesota's 5th Congressional District, which covers the city of Minneapolis, uh, where Floyd died on May 25th uh, while in police custody. This is the first step in bringing real change to policing in this country, uh, stated Omar. And I really believe that. I mean, we have to really focus on the fact that every institution, every organization, every entity has to have a system of controls. They have to have a balancing uh, weight and a system of not just controls, but uh, uh, responsibility and then uh, uh, basically justice, right? A, a way to 
demand recourse if something were to fall out of line. You need a system that can punish and monitor. And and I hate to be as extreme as that, uh, but we have to ensure that integrity is always upheld. We have to ensure that systems of checks and balances are always implemented in every way to ensure the stability and the peace and safety of all. And this is what this reform bill will do. It is a start. Is it perfect? Probably not. <laughs> like anything, it will have flaws by the time it gets, if it does hopefully pass to the Senate, it will be edited in a way that will be in a compromised state. Uh, but pushing the narrative that we have to focus on providing public safety for all, a future of hope and safety and inclusivity is the utmost essential thing. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the passage of this. Uh, and I'm looking forward uh, to police reform as a whole. It's been interesting looking and observing the economic um, swing, really. And I think interesting is probably the best word that you can use uh, because nothing is interesting or exciting that we have millions of Americans, uh, over 40 million Americans unemployed right now or underemployed. It is not exciting at all to see the devastation that uh, COVID has brought. And even prior to COVID, the the really uh, stretch and widening of the wealth gap. Uh, but just recently, I, I realized states are starting to reopen. And, uh, you know, there is seemingly light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, just trying to give an economic update. 1.48 million people uh, filed for the first time unemployment uh, this week, which is worse than what was predicted. Uh, so when the jobs report came out, there was a jobs game of 2.5 million and the unemployment rate dropped from 14.7 to 13.3. When a 1.4% drop, there was light. And even though we were in a recession, we were coming out. So you figured if it could drop one to 2% each month, six months left in the year, 12%, you know, well, or at least 1% six, we'd be back where we were um, by the end of the year. Uh, but obviously that's not the case. Things have gotten worse. David Gura goes on a right that people that filed for the initial unemployment benefits the 14th consecutive week. States have processed over a million first-time applications in a larger weekly figure than the economist predictions of 1.35 million. While the figures for the week ending June the 20th are far cry from the peak of 6.6 million in March, it is still an astonishing number and a continuation of the grim ritual that has happened at 8.30 a.m. every Thursday since the pandemic hit. When the Department of Labor announces how many claims have been made for unemployment insurance, the U.S. economy is showing some signs of improvement in housing and online retail sales. So here's here's the. Here's the truth. Organizations have or all entities, all human beings have been impacted by this, but specifically for business organizations now have a case study. Uh, of what they need versus what they don't need. What COVID provided was time for them to take a hard look at the analytics. They've had the analytics to look at the need for physical location. So Microsoft just put out today that they're closing all of their retail stores permanently. So no more brick and mortar because they've had the time to assess the profitability of it, the, the, the uh, human capital hours needed, and to really understand that this might not be the best play of action going forward, that sales is really going to be uh, derived from more of an online presence. It already is. Uh, so they've, all organizations have had this space to understand the analytics of what they need from a physical footprint, what they need from a performance footprint and their employees. 
uh, that, you know, in, or, in order to stay optimal and profitable. And with this, and then what technology they can implement to undergo any service that was performed by a human being. With all this, this is what's going to happen. The furloughed employees, I would say at most 40% come back to their organization at high 70%, but there's no way 100% is coming back. Um, You're going to have this widening of gap because basically the creation of of low wage or lower wage jobs will cease. That will be automated. You know, you don't need... uh, you know, 10 stalkers, if you can get a robot to do it, you might need five, right? So really the human capital expense is what's at jeopardy. And, and, and I think the writing's on the wall. I think we have to stop being naive to it. Um, Yes, this can be avoided if organizations really put people first, but you have to understand the lifeblood of any organization is revenue and ultimately profit. And as we've seen in America, greed. Uh, so this constant push for profitability is going to take precedent even over the necessity of human capital. This is why another system has to undergird that like UBI or a way to tax this extreme wealth because you are literally going to isolate parks, not well pockets really in parts of the country and demographics based off of necessity. So unemployment, you know, increasing, even though it's not as bad as it was in March, is going to stay at a relatively high. It's not going to peak like it did in March because most of the damage has already been done. But going forward, companies know what they need and what they don't need. They're not going to do anything in excess. Uh, Expeditures, uh, debt is going to be capped at an all-time low. Uh, Spending money on building projects is pretty much going to cease renovations is pretty much going to cease because for the most part, unless you're physically manufacturing something, you do not have to be at the office. Right. So, uh, you know, you can work from home. Most of us are working from home anyway. You can do it through your laptop, do it through zoom and do it through some other technology or technological platform. And that's just the way that it is going forward. How we address it is to understand that we have to have a system that does not alienate and isolate individuals, especially the most vulnerable in society that have been impacted. And we have to establish a floor. Um, Not, and I know that it seems like, well, everybody be on welfare. No, it is a citizen's dividend, a citizen's income based off the fact that, you know, you pay taxes and you are good standing uh, within the United States. And that's what's needed because even if abracadabra Corona ended right right now, COVID-19, we, you know, get a vaccine, we get a cure and it ends. It's not back to business the way you think it will be back to operations the way you think. Yes. But the understanding that we have to now have this amount of people in the work office, you know, we had 200 in the, you know, Atlanta or we had, you know, 200 in the Boston office. Now Boston only needs 50 really. They don't need 200. You know, now uh, the St. Louis office doesn't need 500 people. It only needs 250 to operate in all capacity. Things are going to be restructured. A lot more outsourcing is going to happen. So this is going to be not the trend, but the norm. Uh, And that's why it's important to establish that economic safety base for all Americans, for all human beings. I have to bring the thunder with this one because for the states that opened up too soon, 
we are seeing a rise in COVID cases in the states that opened up too soon, particularly in your red states, Texas, Alabama, Florida. Disney is facing headwinds, and the NBA season is supposed to be actually hosted in Orlando. As officials halt park reopenings and workers beg for delays, uh, the petition notes that since theme parks aren't essential businesses, it is unfair for workers to risk their lives amid a public health crisis. Ahiza Garcia Hodges goes on to write that more than 7,000 people have signed a petition calling on Disney executives, Florida officials to reevaluate their plan to reopen Disney World in July amid the resurgence of COVID-19 cases. Disney World plans to begin a phased reopening on July 11th. For the Magical Kingdom, or the Magic Kingdom and the Animal Kingdom, Epcot and Hollywood Studios are set to open on July 15th. Florida broke its daily record with more than 5,500 new confirmed COVID-19 cases. The state's total number of cases is now over 109,000. Florida's previous record was 4,049 with COVID cases. Uh, Now that has been surpassed. The reality is... We didn't do enough. We should have stayed shut down longer. And this expedited resurgence into uh, business as usual mode, into work capacity, into operation efficiency, and ignoring public health crisis jeopardized lives. And it was a failure. I understand the inconvenience and the economic input uh, impact that it placed on businesses on individuals it's hard especially if you have a small business and you have to be shut down and you didn't receive any of the sba loans or the ppe uh personal paycheck protection not personal pay not personal uh equipment but the personal paycheck uh paycheck protection measures that was stipulated in the stimulus bill uh so i totally get it of the economic weary and heaviness that it placed on the shoulders of many americans on many people in the world and that's why during times like this, it is important to have a governmental system that can really undergird you, that can really be that voice of reason and can sustain you at a good efficiency rate, maybe not at optimal levels, but definitely at uh, above standard levels, first establishing what that means. Because when you rush to open too quick, and it falls apart again, sometimes the injury the second time around is worse than the first time. And since the necessary precautions were not taken, now you're spiking again. The danger is right now because of summer and whatnot conditions, you don't have a, a, an environmental um, storm to really you know push this into overdrive. But as you get later into the year, that will slowly change. And just like it's thundering and raining outside, the thunder and the rain of political failure has fallen. You have to protect the safety of people. You have to step up and do immeasurable things and and unprecedented things in unprecedented times. And enough was not done. And that's just the plain truth. So this is what's happening. I understand business is running a business. I understand the state of Florida is running uh, a government to make sure that the business sits within the state of Florida can be operational and profitable. Um, but for the sake of greed, for the sake of profit, you now have this resurgence. And we really don't know what this means long term. And it's just utterly a shame.
Hate has to stop. There's no place for it. There's no excuse for it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, read an interesting article, and I mean by interesting, the fact that um, this crap is still happening. That's the only thing interesting about it. Um, in Madison, Wisconsin, in the north, we're not talking about in the rural depths of the south, and that's not excusable, but sometimes we'd like to allocate uh, bigotry, racism, hatred to particular geographical regions that have had historical uh, case studies and ongoing and reoccurring case studies. But the reality is this is an American thing. Revolt TV covered this. A, a black woman was set on fire by a group of white men in Wisconsin. The four assailants uh, also uh, used racial slurs to attack Althea Bernstein. Victoria Morwood goes on to write that June 24th on Wednesday, a black woman in Madison, Wisconsin, was reportedly suffered third degree burns after four white men threw lighter fluid and a lighter at her face while she was in her car. They had the uh, speaking with Madison, 365, 18 year old. She's 18 year old. The EMT uh, stated that the assailants yelled racial slurs at her before the attack. she said she, uh, Athalia went on to state that she was listening to some music at a stoplight. Then all of a sudden heard somebody say the N-word really loud and she turned her head. And then this is what followed. Somebody threw lighter fluid on me. Thankfully, she's alive. Thank God. There is no place for this crap. These men, these four white men need to be imprisoned. They need to be charged uh, with felonious with the highest degree because that's attempted murder with hatred uh with everything and anything this is absolutely disgusting america has to get to a point that is willing to deal with this ugly truth it can't accept gradualism as a token way of peace while others still suffer the burden of injustice And when America comes to the realization that a complete overhaul of the system is what's needed and they actually go forward through that implementation and go through and form a new America, one that can ensure that tolerance like this is not acceptable, that protecting these hate groups is not acceptable, that we can have a society uh, that is formulated around love and safety and inclusivity, that America truly will live up to its creed. But I just wanted to cover this because sometimes you have to be made aware, just like I'm totally disappointed also in the city of Chicago where, um, you know, I reside uh, over the shootings over Father's Day weekend. You had over 101 shootings and 11 deaths. There's no place for it. I won't trade one evil for another. Uh, So we have to deal with our issues. We have to take a stand against it and we have to fight evil with good and with love. And that's that's the call of every human being is to just do better. So I wanted to leave and really end this podcast with this. I hope you take this into consideration that you are your brother's keeper. You are your human's keeper. You are responsible for the progress of others, not just yourself. You can't live in an isolated bubble. You can't just worry about you, yourself, and I. You have to focus on the collective whole. And when we do that, we all win. All right. All right. All right. This has been another great episode of it is what it is podcast. Like I said, connect with me, Twitter and Cody's life one Instagram CVMK 33. 
Subscribe to the podcast. Look, subscribe to it on Anchor. Subscribe to it on Spreaker. Uh, click like, you know, share, subscribe. Let me know your thoughts. But until next time, thanks.